Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we may ordain again elders and deacons. The Lord has provided again for the church in St. Albert. And this is something which, especially in the time in which we live, we should never take for granted. We are living in a time in which many churches suffer from a crisis in leadership. A crisis caused for a large part because there are just not enough men willing or able to serve in office. But at the same time, we see more and more churches in general turning to women to fill the offices. You see, women filling church offices is not only driven by the influence of women equality movement, but it's largely a large uh, contributing factor is that there are no men enough that are willing to serve in office in church. Now, we can, of course, now dismiss all this by saying that we within the Canadian Reformed Churches have no such problem. And to a certain extent, that may be true, but not everywhere. That's why I said, to a certain extent. The worry expressed by many ministers and as well as by many, many elders is that more and more men, when they are asked to let their name stand for the office of elder or deacon, answer the question with a negative. Many of the elderly men suggest that they have done their share. And now it's the turn of the younger generation to step up to the plate. Well, the younger generation objects that they are so busy already. They have the family and the careers. Now it is claimed that they are not ready to fulfill an office in church where they are too young or too old. They don't know the Bible well enough. Their faith is not strong enough. Those are some of the objections, but there are many more. Some of them are valid, some of them are not. We also see that many men in office are often too busy to do what's required in order to fulfill their office properly and faithfully, while at the same time, membership seems to expect more and more from the office bearers. And add to all this, that many members of the churches have lost the conception of what exactly being an office bearer in church is all about. And that is evidenced in into a growing number of members that see consistories and councils as a sort of an executive board of men making sure that everything in church runs according to the wishes of those who voted them in office. I'm well aware that everything that I have thus far stated is very general, they're very general observations in that we are thanks to the Lord that there are many exceptions. And perhaps our congregation here is, by the Lord's great, for the most part, such an exception. And that's, but there's not a reason to now pat ourselves on the back. But it's a great reason to be thankful to the Lord and to be very alert and vigilant, ever praying and working that we may never get into 
the leadership crisis that plagues so many churches of our time. Office bearers. Brothers and sisters, first of all, as Christians, we are all office bearers. Remember Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 32. As Christians, we are prophet, priests, and kings. As prophet, we confess God's name in the world. As priests, we present ourselves to be a living sacrifice of thankfulness. And as kings, we fight against sin and in the future. We will reign with Christ forever. It's the office of believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We all are office bearers. So we even have women in office in our churches. We have office of believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as long as we, as member, are faithful to our office of believer, the Lord will make sure that there will be no crisis in receiving special office bearers such as elders or deacons or ministers in the church. The lack of candidates for the special offices is directly related to the way in which the members of the church take their office of believers serious. Now, this afternoon we will look at the passage in which the Lord calls Moses into office. And we will hear that Moses had some serious objections against accepting the Lord's call to office. We will also hear how the Lord deals with Moses' objections. Let's look at our scripture reading under the theme, The Lord's Call to Serve Must Prevail. And then first we look at how the Lord calls Moses. And then how the Lord deals with Moses' objections. In our mind we see Moses... With his sheep following him, approaching Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. Moses was by now about 80 years old. About 40 years ago, he had fled to Midian. Why? Because he had struck down an Egyptian who was beating one of his own people. Or as we read in Hebrews 11, he had refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin for a time. Moses, then 40 years ago, already knew that the Lord had chosen him for a very important task in relation to the deliverance from his people from slavery. Moses had in the meantime, had then received the best education possible. From Act 7, we know that he was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. So he was the ideal person then to help his people. He was young, he was strong, he was smart, and he was ready. But as I already mentioned, Moses had killed an Egyptian who abused one of his fellow Israelites and then he had to flee because Pharaoh heard about it and he wanted to kill Moses. Moses had been so eager to help his people. But it had all gone so very different. 
so wrong. Instead of serving his God and helping his people, he had to flee for his life. And his people continued to suffer worse all the time. And now here he is, trained in all the Egyptian wisdom, great leadership skills, but working for his father-in-law, being a shepherd, spending time with those sheep in the desert already for some 40 years. And all the time the Egyptians continued their cruel oppression of the people he loved so dearly. You can just imagine that Moses must have felt himself to be a big failure. As far as Moses knew, the chances of providing a better life for his people were just over. You can just imagine, brothers and sisters, that Moses was, if not bitter or depressed, then at least a very disillusioned man. Also, at that day that he saw that bush burning. Moses did not know it yet, but now the time had come that the Lord would deliver his people and would use and call Moses for that task. Moses sees the burning bush, and while he watched it, he realized that the bush burning, but it wasn't consumed. It didn't burn up. It kept on burning. It didn't turn to ashes. And then when Moses walked closer to see that how that strange thing is possible, the Lord begins to speak to him and told him to take off his sandals because the ground on which he stood was holy. And then the Lord tells Moses that he is God, the God of Moses' fathers, that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they had seen the misery of the people and that he had come to rescue and to bring them into the promised land. And then in verse 10 of chapter 3, We read that the Lord calls Moses to be the leader of his people. And notice that the Lord did not ask Moses, like, Moses, would you maybe be willing and do you feel able to do this task which I like you to do? Would you be willing to fill this office? The Lord didn't ask a thing. Now the Lord commanded, he called Moses, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. No question asked, just come. It's a command. And call is a command. It's not a petition. So important for us to keep that in mind, for office bearers and also for members The Lord calls you into office. The Lord does not ask people to become an office bearer. He just calls them. He commands them. And they in turn should feel honored and obey. Nowhere in the Old Testament can we read of one person who was asked by the Lord to become a prophet, a priest, or a king. And in the New Testament, we see the Lord Jesus Christ walking on the shore of the Lake of Galilee and hear him command, call fishermen to follow him and he just tells them that they will be fishers of men. So again, the Lord's call to office is not a request, it is not a petition, but it is a command. And so he does it Moses. 
But Moses, disillusioned as he is, objects. Just as later, some other people would object to the call to office. Just think about Gideon, who figured that he was not influential enough. And Jeremiah, who thought he was much too young. So let us see what Moses' objections are and how the Lord answers them. And we look at that in our second point. In chapter 3, verse 11, we read Moses' first objection. Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And so at the first glance... It seems to be the right attitude. It seems that Moses is very humble and counts himself not worthy or unable to do such a task. But we must see Moses' objections in the light of chapter 4, verse 13, where it's clear that Moses refuses to obey the Lord's call. But the Lord is patient, and he tells Moses that Moses' inability or unworthiness are irrelevant. For he says to Moses, I will be with you. The Lord even gave Moses a sign, a guarantee. Moses will worship here at that same mountain with the people who he will have brought out of Egypt. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is always with those whom he calls. In Matthew 28, the Lord Jesus said the same thing to his disciples, apostles. He sends them into the world to preach the gospel. And he promises, and surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And so, brother, office bearers, this is so comforting and so encouraging. The Lord calls us into office and he gives us an awesome task. But we do not have to worry about the inabilities we might have or the insecurities we might feel for one reason or another. He will be with you always. And brothers and sisters in the Lord, that also counts for you. As you already said, you all are called to an office, the office of believer. And you are called to be his prophet, to confess his name into the world, to be a light in the world, to be a savoring salt into the world. It's a mighty office. And true, then you can feel so inadequate, so powerless, scared even. But remember, if you faithfully carry out your office, the Lord Almighty is with you always, and everywhere. Now Moses is not finished objecting. And in verse 13 of chapter 3, objects with a question. And he asks, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses objects, he does not know. He does not know who God really is. And that there is a good chance that the people don't know anymore either. You see, there hides a little bit of an accusation in those words, is it not? Of course, Moses knows that God 
Dat, dat de Lord is de God of his fathers, of Abraham, Isaac en Jacob. And he knows also the promises that God made to those fathers. But you see, it's also long ago. And it seems to him, and I'm sure also to the people of Israel there in Egypt, that God has forgotten about his promises. Or at least that the Lord, the Lord is very slow in fulfilling those promises. Can they still count on it that the Lord has not changed his mind about them and his promises to them? And for us, who know so much more about the Lord than Moses and the people of that time, this question is really provoking God. It's irreverent and dangerous, to say the least. The Lord, however, does not get angry with Moses for such an irreverent, such a disrespectful question, but he reveals his name to him. I am who I am. Meaning that he is the God who never changes, who is always faithful to all of his promises. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And then to encourage Moses, the Lord tells him exactly what he must do. He assures him that his people will listen. And he reveals to them that what he will do to Pharaoh and of Egypt before he leads the people out of Egypt. The whole plan of what the Lord will do is just spelled out to Moses. Brothers and sisters and brother office bearers, already for a long time mockers have said, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. They mean, of course, the promise of the Lord's return. In our time, many of those who claim to be Christians live as if the Lord has forgotten his promise. But this is what you have to say to them. I am have sent me to you. The I am, the God whose promises are sure, has sent me to you. Our Lord Jesus Christ has told us what first must come to pass before he comes. And every day we see these things coming to pass. In the book of Revelation, the Lord has given us prophecies of many signs of his coming. And we see them being fulfilled every day as we hear the wars and rumors of wars, of earthquakes in many places and floods and so on. All these signs of the Lord Jesus coming in judgment. But he has also promised that whoever believes in him will not come into judgment. And so the Lord answered Moses' objection by revealing his name and his plan for the redemption of his chosen people, just as he does with us. We know his name is Jesus. We know that he will save his people from their sins. And we have his word in which he revealed to us his complete plan for the redemption of us, his people, as well as his complete plan for what he will do with his enemies. He has also fully revealed to us that the almighty God is our father who loves us in an infinite love. And so each one of us in our office 
either the office of believer, of elder, or deacon, or minister, we cannot object. And we do not need to either. For God said, let light shine out of the dark. For the God who said, let light shine of the darkness. And he said it to all of us. He has shone into our heart the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We know it. We just need to be faithful to our office of believer. Moses, however, is not finished objecting. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says to the Lord, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Moses just, just do not believe that the people will recognize that the Lord had sent him. He probably was afraid that the people would remember who he was and how he had fled from them and, and left them in the misery. The Lord has not called you. And as man called into special office, you too can have certain memories from the past which make you think that people who, who know that will doubt that you're fit for office at all. And it's true that some people have long memories. Well, at the same time, they seem to, they seem to forget about the grace and the life-renewing power of the Holy Spirit in one's life. It's sinful, it's sad as that happens. But not, does it not, does let it not allow you to, to be disturbed by it. You know the Lord called you. And he knows your past too. Same thing with the office of all believers, brothers and sisters. You can be really bothered by past sins here. Your own heart may condemn you. You're afraid that people will criticize you when you would witness to them and tell you that you are a hypocrite and that you should look at yourselves. It should not deter us from attacks. For God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. The Lord answered this objection of Moses by enabling him to show signs which proved that the Lord has really sent him. Moses' staff will turn into a snake, and then the snake will turn back into a staff again. His hand turns leprous and is healed again. And water poured out upon the ground will turn into blood. These signs were the evidence of God's divine power and the evidence that God really sent him and that God was with him. We could say... But if only we would be able to perform such signs, the people would have no doubt that the Lord has sent us. The Lord has called me into office. Through this, that the Lord has given us the ability to show a very powerful sign. The Lord has made us from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And he has by the power of his Holy Spirit enabled us to live a life that unmistakably shows the evidence of his presence with us. You just need to live that life, of course. 
because chosen people will, will recognize those signs. And they will listen to you. And hypocrites and unbelievers will recognize it too and hate you for it. It is just that we need to be diligent to live a life that re reflects the love of our Savior. For that is the sign that we belong to him, that we are called by him, and that we are sent by him. So as the Lord took all those objections away, but Moses isn't finished. There's one more. In verse 10 of chapter 4, he says to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses objects, objects that he is not good enough. He is just not a good speaker. He is not a man who is away with words and who is able to speak eloquently and convincingly. And for those in the office of all believers, that is, a, that is often an, an, an often used objection. I do not know what to say. I do not know how to say it. And therefore, they don't witness much or not at all in spite of their call. But this objection is also used by those who are called into a special office, office of minister, elder or deacon. When the Lord initially called me to the ministry, I too, I said, I'm not good enough. I have not enough education. I don't speak English well. And when I told it to that old minister, whom the Lord used to convince me that he wanted me to serve, he said, that's not your worry. The Lord will provide. And the Lord basically here in our text said the same thing to Moses. He said, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And the Lord Jesus promised all of us the same thing when he says, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. Moses objected that he was not good enough, that he could not speak well enough. Gideon objected that he was not influential enough in his tribe. Jeremiah objected that he was too young. Others also in our time objected also that they are not good enough because they don't know enough. They are not outgoing enough. They have no patience enough. They are not holy enough. And so on. But the answer to all such objections is that the Lord who calls you to office is the God who gave man his mouth and makes him deaf or mute, gives him sight or makes him blind, the God who is the source of all wisdom, the God who is mighty to make the impulsive Moses who were in a flash of anger killed an Egyptians to make him the most meek and patient man on the face upon, on, upon the face of the earth. We may always, with all our weaknesses, approach the Lord, and he gives what we lack, and he manifests his power in our weakness. 
when the Lord calls men into office, he doesn't choose the vice. He doesn't choose the influential. He doesn't choose the ones of noble birth according to our standard. But God chose what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what's weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what's low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing to those that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So we read that in 1 Corinthians 1. But as I said in the beginning, Moses did not want to serve in office. And we read that in verse 13. After the Lord has dealt with all his objections, so graciously and patiently, he says, oh Lord, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Brothers and sisters, can you hear it? Oh Lord, please, it's now the time for the younger generation to serve. Please, ask someone else. Oh Lord, please, I'm so busy with my career, by building up my business, to, I'm so busy with my family, I am such a busy social life, I do not want to, Lord, because then I have to give up so many things I like to do. Oh, please, Lord, send someone else. She does awful. It's dangerous and scary, too, because we read in verse 13, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. The Lord showed his patience with all the objections Moses had. But for refusal, for disobedience, the Lord has no patience. His anger burns against Moses. And we don't know how Moses became aware that the anger of the Lord was burning against him. But that he was aware of it. And that it changed Moses' mind is clear from the rest of the story as we read in verse 18. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please, let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. Moses repented. And then the Lord's anger against Moses ceased. And as he promised, he was with Moses. The Lord is at all time a forgiving God, slow to anger and rich in mercy. But brothers and sisters, we must all examine ourselves. We must examine how we do in the office of believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord calls us, means commands us to confess his name, to live thankfully before him and to fight sin. And yes, we have many weaknesses, but for those the Lord will provide, and he has provided. We may, however, not refuse we may not disobey. Then the Lord's anger will burn against us. And it will burn against us until we repent. And the Lord's anger can become evident in our lives in many different ways. We can have the feeling that God is not in our lives at all. We can experience hardship or grief. Not that all hardship or grief are signs of God's anger. <laughs> but if we refuse to heed his call, and we know that when we do this, then we will become aware of the Lord's anger burning against us one way or another. And that's not harsh. Because with it, the Lord still warns us. And he still gives us time to repent. 
so that he might be with us again. Maybe you sit here this morning and in your heart you know that you have refused to heed the Lord's call to the office of believer or even to a special office. You see, then it's by the Lord's grace, because of his love for you, that you hear this warning this morning. The Lord wants you to repent so that his anger will not longer burn against you and he might be with you again. Brother office bearers, also new office bearers, the Lord has called you to serve him in the office of elder or deacons. And he knows the circumstances of your life. He knows all about it. And he calls you anyway. He knows your weaknesses. He knows all things. And he will provide. And he will be with you to the end of the age. Only do not refuse him. Don't. Do not refuse to spend the time you need to to faithfully fulfill your office. Do not object when your office occupies time you would rather have spent fishing or doing something else. Just do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request, all your needs, be made known to God. Trust him. He will provide Trust him. He knows what your family needs. He knows what you need. Just trust him who said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God and will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Amen.